The conference is now being recorded. Thank you for joining us for this episode of CIFMA's podcast series. I'm Ken Benson, President and CEO of CIFMA, and I'm joined today by Chris Killian, Managing Director and Head of CIFMA's Securitization Practice. The Treasury Department recently announced that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will begin to retain their earnings, and today we'll be talking about what that actually means and how that one move fits into the administration's overall goal for housing finance reform. So let's let's go at it. The U.S. housing market is a critical piece of the general economy. It represents one-fifth of U.S. GDP and 35% of all private non-financial debt in the United States. But let's back up and uh, talk about who are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and, and, and beyond that, how are they different from Ginny Mae? Chris? Thanks, Ken. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are what are called the government-sponsored enterprises, which are entities chartered by Congress to provide liquidity to mortgage uh, finance markets. Uh, Fannie Mae was created in 1938 uh, under a different name, uh, and then restructured and in 1968. Uh, and Ginny Mae, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, was spun out of it. Freddie Mac was created in 1970, uh, also by Congress. Uh, the difference between Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae is that Ginny Mae is a government corporation. That is, it's actually a part of the government. Uh, and Ginny Mae provides guarantees on MBS, and that has the full faith and credit backing of the United States. On the other hand, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are private companies that, in addition to guaranteeing mortgage-backed securities, they also purchase and securitize loans themselves. Uh, the guarantee on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh, MBS and debt is uh, what's called an implicit guarantee, uh, whereby it's not actually guaranteed by the full faith and credit of the government, but there has been an expectation in the market that if there were a problem, the government would step in and make sure investors were whole on their investments in the MBS. And you, know, you mentioned that, that uh, Fannie and Freddie uh, are private corporations, stock corporations, uh, but today they're in conservatorship. What does that mean? So uh, during the financial crisis, uh, the Treasury Department requested and uh, received from Congress legislation that provided them the power to uh, put Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in these conservatorships. And essentially what that means is that the Federal Housing Finance Agency, which is the regulator of the GSEs, uh, has all the uh, powers and authorities of the boards of directors of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And they have had them since August uh 2008. But uh, this, is different than, this is different than bankruptcy, and there's still, there's still shareholders uh, out there that hold equity, right? That's correct. There are. Uh, the government, uh, when, it, when it took over uh, the GSEs and put them into conservatorship, uh, they uh, entered into with FHFA what's called a preferred stock purchase agreement, whereby the Treasury Department uh, committed uh, hundreds of billions of dollars of capital uh, in the end uh, to support the, uh, you know, the MBS and, and the debt that's been uh, issued by Fannie and Freddie. So before we, before we get into looking forward, let's, I, I think it's important to look backwards uh, and, and where uh, Fannie, Freddie, and, and for that matter, Jenny May and FHA have been in, in, as a percentage of the overall single-family mortgage market in the U.S. Uh, how much of that is, is, is guaranteed by Fannie, Freddie versus Jenny May and FHA? Uh, and, and beyond that, 
um, what are the what are the limitations on that? Yeah, so it's I guess I would break it down by saying that you can look at the securitization rate of mortgages. That is, there are mortgages that are funded by securitization, and there are mortgages that are funded by the bank or the originator that uh, originated the loan itself on its balance sheet uh, or otherwise. Um, securitization rates vary over time. Uh, they've, they vary, you know, let's say, between 60 and 80%, depending on the time period you're looking at. Um, of that 60 to 80% that's securitized, um, historically, the GSEs have operated uh, at, at a fairly high level of the securitization. Uh, there was a time during the crisis where non-GSE securitization exceeded GSE securitization. Um, but if I were to, to break it down where it is today, uh, just as a general matter, it, you know, FHA, Ginnie Mae product is, let's say, around 20%. Fannie Freddie could be around uh, you know, 40 to 50%. Uh, and, you know, balance sheets and private label securitization would make up the other 30%. Those are all rough numbers, but gives you an idea. And, and, and these aren't loans in, in when you talk about the GSEs uh, securitizing loans or, or backing securitized loans, the GSEs themselves aren't actually making the loans, right? These are loans that are being made by, you know, again, through a, a bank channel or some other uh, mortgage uh, broker channel, but are packaged and then securitized and backed by uh, the guarantee of Fannie and Freddie. That's right. The GSEs operate in what's known as the secondary market. So they will, they set forth guidelines uh, and, and criteria for the types of loans that they will purchase. Uh, and they purchase the loans from originators and they, and they uh, securitize them. That's right. And what does it mean and what does the conforming loan uh, level mean that, that Fannie and Freddie uh, participate in? Does that mean any loan or, or, or are there limits on the, on, on the size of the loans? Yeah, there are, there are limits on the size of the loans, as you mentioned, the conforming loan limit, uh, which historically uh, has been set at a, let's call it a moderate level. Uh, during the crisis, that was increased from somewhere around $400,000 uh, into in high, what are called high-cost areas where the area median income exceeds a, a certain threshold. Uh, they could guarantee up to 700, roughly $730,000 loans. Uh, but the majority of their business is, is in loans that are you know, closer to like the $200,000 range, which reflects the average size of a mortgage in the, in the U.S. So fast forward from 2008 to 2019, uh, the Trump administration uh, in September released a blueprint for housing finance reform. Uh, what's a summary of that plan, and is this the time for, for taking action on reform? Yeah, so to, to summarize the plan, the, the, Trump, uh, the Trump administration released two reports, one related to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and some broader housing finance issues, and one related to HUD. Uh, in terms of the one related to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, Treasury outlined four, uh, uh, four priorities. Uh, first, uh, ending the conservatorship of the GSEs that we were just talking about. Uh, second, facilitating competition in the housing market. Third, establishing uh, better regulation, I guess you could say, uh, for the GSEs. And fourth, providing that the federal government is properly compensated for the support that it does provide, whether or not it's implicit or explicit. Um, in terms of the summary of, of, of what they say in the report, uh, they call for Congress to pass legislation uh, that provides for an explicit paid-for guarantee on MBS. Uh, that guarantee, interestingly, would be provided by Ginnie Mae, the government corporation I referred to before. 
that would allow they would allow the the legislation would also allow FHFA to charter and supervise additional guarantors. Uh, the cash window, which is a component of how the uh, GSEs operate, whereby a, a lender can basically sell a loan one at a time to the GSE, and it's, it's, it's important to smaller lenders, the cash window would be preserved. Um, affordable housing goals would be addressed. Uh, the multifamily footprint would be shrunk. Um, and FH, the Home Loan Bank, which is a separate entity we're not going to get into here, their membership criteria would be reexamined. Um, however, while the administration desires legislation to be passed by Congress, they also state very clearly that they don't want to wait for Congress to act. Uh, obviously, it's 2019. Uh, the GSEs have been in conservatorship for 11 years, so the administration is uh, setting out on a path to do what it can administratively to um, to you know move the GSEs along and eventually out of conservatorship. So that includes a recapitalization plan, um, adjustments to the preferred stock purchase agreements um, related to retaining earnings and building capital, which is actually something they took a step on this week, um, and, and other things that ultimately lay out markers that will, will have the GSEs come out of conservatorship at some point in the future. So, to be clear, the administration, and as you pointed, they did take a step on the recapitalization this past week, uh, the administration could move to end conservatorship whether or not Congress were to take action. Yeah, that's right. I mean, conservatorship is it was an administrative action that the, that was taken in 2008, and it can be uh, undone or ended through another administrative action. And are there uh, risks around doing that? Yeah, we think so. Uh, you know, our members, SIFMA uh, is is our, our main priority uh, throughout all of the last 11 years when thinking about housing finance reform is is basically not 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 fixing what's what's not broken. So uh, the MBS market, in particular, the TBA or to be announced market, uh, that's the most active market for Fannie and Freddie mortgage backed securities. It's the second most liquid fixed income market in the US behind treasuries. And it's provided great benefits to uh, mortgage borrowers, to lenders, to investors over the last 40 or so years uh, that it's been around uh, that include lower rates, uh, that include the ability to lock your rate on your mortgage. So when you walk into a bank and the bank says your mortgage rate is 4.2%, the bank can say that because it has the ability in the TBA market to uh, sell, sell securities on a forward basis and lock in its costs. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the TBA market also provides great liquidity to investors. And, you know, that's if you have a 401k, parts of your 401k are probably invested in, in this type of MBS. So our primary goal is to make sure that the TBA market continues to function uh, and it, can, can, it continues to be able to serve uh, the, the, the U.S. economy in the way it does today. Taking uh, – and so, as I mentioned before, there, was, there has always been this perception of an implicit guarantee on the MBS that were issued by Fannie and Freddie through the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. Um, when the GSEs were taken into conservatorship and there was a uh, number uh, put on the support by Treasury, um, that that implicit guarantee became not explicit because it's, as I said, still not an obligation of the government, but it became closer to explicit. And and the 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 basis for the implicit guarantee was a thought that the government would come in and support the GSEs when it when it was needed, and the government did do that. Um, so the situation we're in today, when we talk to our members who are, uh, you know, some of the largest investors and and other folks who trade the MBS, um, I think there's a view that you can't you can't 
put the genie back in the bottle. Um, and that if, if the administration were to move too quickly in taking the GICs out of conservatorship without Congress addressing uh, the explicit guarantee and other issues, that there is a risk that investors may uh, may not be as uh, uh, keen uh, on the market. So, for example, when the GSEs went into conservatorship in 2008, you saw a shift in foreign investor activity from the Fannie and Freddie market, who went into conservatorship, to the Ginny market, the Ginny May market, which is the the other MBS issuer that's fully backed by the government. And I think the reason for that is because it's very clear Ginny May has explicit an explicit guarantee, and it's very clear what's happening. But you know, if you're in another country and you don't follow U.S. politics day to day, what does it mean when something goes into conservatorship? You know, it created uncertainty. Um, and similarly, pulling the GSEs out of conservatorship without an explicit guarantee, we think, could lead to the same thing. So the the main impact we would expect to see would probably be in the foreign category, and they make up, you know, maybe 10 or so percent of the investor base. So it's not a small number in a market as large as this. Um, but there's also a view that some of the domestic investor base, which is roughly 65 percent of the market, um, would also uh, have 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 some concerns. Um, and so overall, we think it would it would not be a a good thing to do. Um, and, you know, we've we've suggested that, you know, administrative reforms be coordinated with uh, Congress laying out an explicit guarantee for the MBS. So I guess it's conceivable with the with the uh, implicit uh, the, what was the implicit guarantee that that uh, effectively morphed into a form of an explicit guarantee in in practice, if not name, uh, would weigh on the size of the of the conforming loan market being viewed as a rates product. Uh, and were that to go away, uh, uh, that market would be viewed as less of a rates product than a credit product, and that would impact the ability to run things like the TBA market or to carry the volume uh, of, of that for the long 30-year mortgage. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the impacts could be felt in volume. They could be felt in, in pricing, right? So uh, uncertainty, if uncertainty reduces you know, demand in the market, that's going to have impacts on pricing. Um, and so if mortgage-backed securities are worth less money, then you know the originator who's making the mortgage that goes into that mortgage-backed security is going to have to adjust their cost for that mortgage. Um, so yeah, the, the the impacts could be felt, you know, straight through to the primary market. Right. And the uh, and by primary market, we're talking about the cost, Sorry. you know, the, what the mortgage rate, both in terms of uh, mortgage rate fluctuation and, and capital ava- availability. Um, exactly. And and while the administration is acting, you know, are they, you know, are they proposing to act and finish this all by this year? And where's Congress on all of this? Well, so I think what the administration has laid out is is uh, they would like to basically set up a, a, a what the term they've used is is I, th- I believe mile markers, right? So they want to lay out a path that says the end goal is getting the GSEs out of conservatorship, and to get there, the GSEs need to do certain things. They need to have a capital plan. They need to raise capital. They need to uh, we need to adjust their scope of business to be where we think they should be operating. Uh, there, we, you know, there's a bias that the GSEs are are too big and are are too involved in the mortgage finance system in this country. So they need to to focus where they operate uh, in terms of the type of loans they purchase and securitize. Um, I, I, it's not something that they've 
stated is on a path that something that gets done this year or next year. I think it's a longer term uh, operation here. Uh, the, the the head of the FHFA, the regulator, uh, has stated that he would hope that this could be done before his term expires, which is in roughly four and a half years. Um, but, you know, I think he's even acknowledged, you know, the uncertainty because there's there's things that need to be done to get there. Um, where's Congress on this? I think we've seen over the last 11 years a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion. Uh, there have been a number of bills introduced. Uh, back in 2014 or so, there was an effort in the Senate that got pretty far, farther than anything else. Uh, it was known as the Crapo-Johnson legislation. Um, Ultimately, uh, that legislation didn't make it across the finish line. There were concerns over affordable housing that uh, kind of got in the way at the end, and, and it fizzled. Um, you know, where are we today? I, I think, again, the administration's report has that came out in the beginning of September has catalyzed discussion. There's been hearings. Um, we haven't seen comprehensive bills introduced. Um, however, people are talking. But then again, there's not necessarily a view that anything is going to happen in the near term. Um, the, the same concerns over affordable housing that existed four years ago exist today. Uh, the political climate is pretty polarized. Um, it's an election year coming up next year. Um, so there's a lot of signs pointing to it's not that likely that Congress is going to do something in the very near term. So uh, as we uh, head into the, uh, you know, the finish off the 11th and head into the 12th year, uh, uh, potentially of conservatorship uh, to be continued uh, at this point, but certainly with some action on the administrative side through FHFA to watch. Yes, definitely. Great. Well, uh, Chris, thank you very much uh, uh, for that um, uh, for that uh, uh, insight. And uh, to learn more, uh, uh, please go to SIFMA.org uh, uh, on our website where we have various uh, papers and other statistics uh, on the housing uh, mortgage market. Yeah, thank you. Happy to do it.